Hey, hey, everyone. It's those good old-fashioned values, and today we're going back to the 1940s. Yeah, we're talking about another old movie. Another old Car- Cary Grant movie. I was not expecting to be back this soon. Yeah, we gotta do more of these. These are fun movies, and Cary Grant is just so wonderful to watch. Just Hollywood, they harnessed its most powerful gay man so well, and they, they did wonderful things that's, with him. That, that, that's part of the problem. They learned how to, they, they forgot how to cert, how to do that. Yeah, they forgot how to wrangle their gay guys. Now they got like Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller is just going around just like doing like the Scooby-Doo version of rape, basically. Like just, just going around like <laughs> kidnapping women or whatever. Like we don't, we don't, we don't have cool gay guys who would like live with their boyfriend and pretend it's their roommate and get in boxing matches all the time. And then get really mad when Chevy Chase calls you gay and try to sue him. <clears throat> we need we need that type of gay guy back. Uh, oh, like you. Shut up, shut up. Okay. Um. So Ty is in uh, Los Angeles right now. The, the the city of dreams. You know the city the city of angels and gods. Ah, uh, yeah. Good old Los Angeles, as they say, as everyone has ever said. I don't even know. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> fucking it's one hate of these you, episodes. I fucking hate you, man. Uh, <laughs> Ty is out and, uh, we, we needed a replacement. So, uh, I looked around my room and just went, okay, who's the first woman I can see? And I saw, Hello. I, I saw Angie. I'm so trying to be here. And Angie, uh, Angie thinks she's in middle school right now. So she's doing a fucking voice. I think she's doing a forties voice. Yeah, what the hell are you that's... talking about? I don't think I'm in middle school. It's the forties. <laughs> And uh, Angie is going to be doing a transatlantic accent the entire time. I, oh, that'll that'll yeah. go perfectly well. I I'm can't sure wait until care. like twenty minutes into this until I'm like just like leaving the room to hit you with a frying pan. <laughs> um, I mean, that's just normal behavior for husbands. <laughs> yeah, to how, their wives, how period? All. Yeah, how period accurate? Very period uh, accurate. But um, I asked Angie to do something like, "What do you want to? What do you want to do an episode on? Like, what what's a fun movie?" Uh, either like a bad kids movie since we watch those sometimes or like a good movie that's interesting and you said arsenic and old lace the Cary Grant movie uh please explain why you why you chose that one <clears throat> I chose arsenic and old lace simply because it is an old favorite of mine and I've been trying to bug Spencer to watch it for about five years now and he has never seen it before this even though I keep trying to get him to watch this movie because he loves Cary Grant and he loves old movies or with screwball elements with crazy women and hysterical dames and uh, yelly men who love uh, grabbing those hysterical dames and throwing them out of houses and this has exactly all those characteristics okay it wasn't five years. I think it's about three and a half now. Okay, that's fair. Three and a half. But... Five years, three and a half years. When you're a lady, your brain just can't c- keep up with these sorts of things. <laughs> Are we really doing this the whole episode? I think she's gonna... I think she's gonna... She's positively God. hysterical. I think I think I need to slap her I think she, pour some I think she needs her. a lobotomy. Yeah, I think she needs a lobotomy. <laughs> Yeah, Andy, this episode we're just we're gonna we're gonna give her a lobotomy. We've we've tried to do that to Ty a bunch of times and it, it didn't take. You know, it it, it just it, it didn't take. So we're we're gonna do that to Angie on this oh, episode. Oh darling, how do you think you're going to give me a lobotomy when you don't even have the right kind of liquor for uh putting me under? Oh, trust me, I do. No, but uh Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh Andy, we, we talked about his girl Friday and uh the nineteen thirties and forties were just a fucking gold period they were a goof yeah no maybe maybe the greatest era of comedy ever 
just just a great time for japes and giggles and laughs and just yeah no it's really funny because it's it's maybe the least funny time in the 20th century yeah it's the time of the great depression and hitler and then everyone's like the comedy is just like all right well you see here we've got this feather and i'm going to tickle you with it (laughs) and for some reason all of it is so fucking good you've got the marx brothers you've got howard hawks you've got billy wilder You've got uh, Laurel and Hardy, if you're into that. Like, there's just so much good shit from this fucking time. Like, the notion of the way we think of comedy right now. Like, in my head, the entire history of comedy is just screwball comedies and then The Simpsons and then people posting funny ways to kill themselves on the internet. That's the entire history. There's also Monty Python in there. There's Uh, also Monty Python. I I think Monty Python was ruined by my dad for me. No, that, uh, I get that. Python has been ruined by, by so many people is the issue. Yeah, like my, my dad, uh, I, I, I remember I couldn't even like get into the Holy Grail because like I had just heard every single quote from it from my maybe, dad. Maybe try Life of Brian. Uh, I've seen Life of Brian. It's all right. It's uh, it's it's not entirely my thing, although that fucking ending well, is so yeah, good. The reason why I brought that up is just like, what did people find funny in the 70s? And I guess, yeah, Monty Python was was what they laughed at. Yeah, Monty Python. Uh, it was uh, Monty Python, and also there's, um, I figured like there were a bunch of like alternative comics featuring like hippies, like, you know, like putting shit inside their marijuana because they think it makes it more potent or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was like Richard. They had Richard Pryor. They had Richard. Oh yeah. They had George Carlin. Carlin, I think think George Carlin did his first like big standup sets. uh, No, he was in the sixties. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think seven words was seventies. They were still Uh, sexist enough to also to just laugh at women. Like generally. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, you, 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 the stocks in that didn't really decline until like the 1990s. Like you could still just like, picture a woman like trying to drive a car and that could just be like your dose of comedy for the day right until like they are just not adapted enough for uh the fine movements of the wheel (laughs) yeah no but uh this is a really funny uh you know bit of screwball comedy it's we're it's so funny like in the 1940s they were so spoiled for these good fucking movies and all of them had cary grant who like, every time I see him in a movie, even in movies with him that I don't really like, it's just, like, increasingly obvious, like, oh, this guy is the best movie star of all time, and it's not even yeah. a, cl- a competition. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, it's not James Dean, it's not Marlon Brando, it's this fucking dude. It's this fucking goofy gay guy who made faces all the time and had, like, the sharpest chin in the world. He was our greatest movie star. Yeah, no. Human Stan Smith was our greatest movie star. Literally. Literally. Yeah, no. And uh, it's so funny. There's there's one uh, comedy that Angie and I watched um, together that has Cary Grant in it. And I think it would be a fun one to do an episode on. And it's uh, Cary Grant in this movie called Monkey Business. Uh, it's a Howard Hawks movie. It's one of Howard Hawks's uh, more uh, room temperature IQ movies um, where Howard uh, <laughs> Cary Grant just uh, t- drinks a potion that makes him act like a child. And like... That's the whole movie, basically. I mean, I, I would say Hawks has a lot of room. Like, I like Hawks a lot. But yeah. he does have room. Like, like I like The Big Sleep a lot. That movie's plot is, incompre- is you know, so incomprehensible. Okay, that's not... Clearly... Re- that's not a room temp IQ movie, though. Like, it's a, di- it's a different type of dumb movie where they're just, like... 
there's just a hundred different plots that don't matter going on at the same time, and it's impossible to fucking. No, monkey, follow. monkey business is more like the forties equivalent of like super bad. Yeah, it's it's the forties equivalent of a story. <laughs> it's a devil's lettuce comedy. <laughs> so like, I think it's also a reefer comedy. <laughs> part part of the reason why we've seen comedy just collapse, aside from the fact that all blockbusters have to, like, Disney has to make sure that there's a joke quota and all blockbusters Imagine now. if the stigma against marijuana went away earlier. Imagine just, like, some somebody in a, in a movie from the 40s just, like, taking, like, a joint in his hand and going, ah, this looks like a lovely cigarette, and going, and then he's just going, woo-hoo-woo, that's a crazy kind of getaway. I'm feeling like I'm going to drive in a car all the way to California. Come along, dame. <laughs> what were you saying? Some kind of magic reefer they got over here. Uh, uh, what I was I was gonna say is the, the 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 kind of other thing is that just like comedy is the cheapest form of entertainment you can do online. You can just you know we are we are constantly surrounded by other people's jokes. Are most of them good? No, of course not. But we're still constantly surrounded by it in like. The, the average Twitter user, No, sir, it's user, no time I for think. waxing philosophical. We have a movie to discuss. No, we've got we've got 50 minutes left to kill Angie. Yeah, no, we still got plenty we of time. We got plenty of time. We could go for another 30 and still have plenty of time to talk about the movie. Yeah. Um, but the, we are maybe, like, at the point in time, the the people most at any point in history exposed to, to the most comedy of any one ever. Uh Yes, yeah, no. Oh, absolutely. It, it's crazy what you had to do. It's so funny what you had to do if you wanted to laugh back in the 40s. Like, now I just, like, open my phone and, like, go onto YouTube or Twitter. Back then, you had to go to the library and, like, yes, I would like to read a joke, please. I would like to pick out a joke from the library. You had to go down to the newsstand and uh, you'd have to go to the newsstand and you had to buy a pack of bubble gum and you'd have to hope that the Bazooka Joe that you got was of sufficient quality. Yeah. The, you had to wait once a week for the paper boy to deliver your fun yeah hopefully some of them were good yeah no uh-huh. and yeah. there's nothing fun there's nothing funnier than the comic strips those are yeah those no are- this like instant lack of comedy was why anyone was like oh man super bowl commercials are so cool yeah <laughs> yeah and that's why now it's the lamest thing in the world you can possibly be as a guy who watches the super bowl for the commercials like there's been a cultural shift against sports ball people generally which is a good thing but like I think that's part of it that like we're all exposed to on like on average funnier stuff now and like now if you're entertained by Super Bowl commercials you got to be like put in a hospital or something. Oh I mean, god no but Andy also I, I do want to say that uh you know you said comedy has declined it's funny the only mid budget movies that are really ever made now are studio comedies basically since they have to have enough money to pay big stars, but then they don't really need money for anything else. See, I was thinking more just like horror stuff, but I guess yeah, I guess I guess that is kind of there are no big budget comedies anymore. Most that, of that, studio like... comedies, it seems to me, are effectively forms of fraud where some sort of like very lazy script is written out, and then it's just a vehicle for some actor to get all of his friends a bunch of paychecks. Well, you're also forgetting that three other guys had to rewrite and put their own name on the script. So oh, absolutely. Get, uh, yeah. And a bunch of upstarts um, had to do, like, fucking punch-up or something. The only people who laugh at it, of course, are about 13 years old. Uh, they all go to the same middle school. They're all named uh, Brent. Yeah. I uh, I think I've said this on the show before, but, like, man, I... Uh, I They had, when I was teaching, uh, it was, like, near the end of the year, and... 
they put on some comedy movies and they put on like the hangover not the hangover fuck that would be insane uh grown-ups for the kids there we go yeah yeah and uh i tried so hard to like be a good sport and like not be a snob and like you know be open-minded since like i you're pretending like you're better than adam sandler is like one of the most dorky well, fucking things i mean there, there's layers to because the, there are the people who like will watch any sandler and then there are the people who are like no water boy and there's the good sandlers yeah. you gotta watch those you like, you gotta watch water boy my adam sandler story is very my adam sandler story is very simply when i was like in residential i was basically in child jail i have to emphasize this was basically child jail and one night they just got all of us to go to this like old abandoned musty building and then they wheeled out like a fucking old tv and they put a dvd player in it and they put it on i'm pretty sure jack and jill and we had to sit through like two hours of just adam sandler doing nothing in drag he just puts on women's clothes and does nothing for an entire movie. And then you get the, then you get the Dunkachino and then it's over. That's not true. Dunkachino they did this to us in child I, jail cause, and cause half Al, the people Al, Al, were entertained by it. They did it because Al Pacino was trying to fuck Adam Sandler and drag for half of the movie. I mean, that's uh, fair, but there's really nothing that leads up to that plot point. It's just Al Pacino sees Adam Sandler a drag and instantly wants to fuck her because I guess there's something that has to be done. <laughs> there has to be something. There has to be something in order to justify the big load of nothing that persists. You know, I think we're still definitely at the point where, man. Like there was definitely like we're we're maybe past that era now because they're too old for this shit even, but man, Pacino, De Niro, a lot of the guys from from that particular era loved being in bad comedies. Like That's, well, yes, it's a ago. it's a natural affliction of the uh, Mediterranean Italian spirit. They come here and they need, feel the need to do that. Also, Patrick Stewart, you know. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. That's why Joe mm. Pesci is the uh, the smartest one of all of them because he just like he was in movies and then he just fucked off and retired. He's just good like, for yeah, him. yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna make terrible music now. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make albums now where I'm singing. <laughs> oh no! So, anyways, we should probably talk about the movie at some. Sure, point. Sure, we can talk about the movie now. Yeah, arsenic and old lace. Um, I did not read the logline of this. I like the the cover image on Letterboxd is like Cary Grant hiding behind a tree and his like spouse is like you know cowering from him. So I thought it was just like. Oh, I need to get married, but I need to locate my father's fortune today or something. Like that's what that's what I thought going into this, you know. And the the plot of these like kind of screwball movies doesn't really matter. Like bringing up baby, like bringing up baby is about like there's an evil leopard and there's a good leopard. That's it. That's that's the there's two leopards inside there's you. There's some sort of contrivance so that funny things can happen in between. Yeah, no. But um I did not expect when the the best scene in this movie by far is when you figure out what the fuck is actually going on early on with the two old ladies. That shit, like, took the wind out of me. Like, how did the fuck did they make this in 1944? Yeah, no, this is, like, a true avant-garde for them. Like, it's like, oh, man, two old women secretly, like, (laughs) serve as a hotel for, like, weird guys and just poison them for the fun of it. Yeah, I mean... That's a whole movie in itself. Like, the whole movie yes. could basically just be Cary Grant discovers the woman in the old hotel. And you, you, then... could do the, the, 
You could do the the Hitchcock uh, bomb under the table thing with that. Yeah, no. You could make brilliant. a whole movie. But then they add another pair of evil people in the movie, too. They add, there, like, a second pair. This movie pair has so many plots and characters and things going on. It's delightful, but, man, it's a lot. Yeah, no, my <laughs> it hurts my brain. And I'm wondering how much of this movie was things added from the play, because this is an adaptation of a play, apparently. Yeah. Or things cut from, maybe, and it was even more convoluted and long. Yeah. Um, no, I... <laughs> It's like it's literally like big sleep level, just like pile up of gambits and plots and schemes just constantly going on. It it's, yeah, it's a lot. Just like every time you think that some, there's a lull in the plot, there's just another another stinker added to the here lot. Comes, here, here comes Teddy Roosevelt. Here, here a guy thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. Let's have fun with that. That's <laughs> an inspired bit. Like that is such an inspired fucking addition to just have like. A whole family of insane people, and one of them thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. And just start, starts screaming every time he goes up the stairs. Yeah, just screaming charge over and over again. God, well, I wish imagine, I... Imagine, like... I wish I had seen this movie when I was, like, five years old, because that charge bit would have been, like... I would have ruined my parents' life, quoting that over and over again. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess I would have the loved... modern equivalent of that, because, well... Would be a guy nowadays being doing a fucking Bill Clinton impersonation or George H.W. Bush. <laughs> just, yeah, the, the, the Bill God, Clinton impersonator is just like going around, just like groping all the old ladies, just like <laughs> just like sticking his tongue in their ear or whatever. My my my, you're a fine woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just just going around, just like like, oh, I want to have sex under my under my desk. <laughs> no, and also I wanted to say that. One of the, you know, Cary Grant, MVP of this movie, obviously, but we got to give it up for Peter Lore in this. Oh, man. That, you love him. That you is love such him. clutch casting. Like, I was like... Hollywood's greatest creep. Yeah, there's just like... <laughs> I didn't believe it was him, since I, like, he... I, in my head, he only just plays, like, skin-crawlingly... He looks like villains. the Looney Tunes caricature of himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he looks like a pug. Like, he, he looks like one of the dogs that doesn't know how to breathe. And they, they, they cast him exclusively as, like, the Nazi that's too evil for other Nazis. And then they bring him, uh, they bring him onto this, and they just have him do, like, a comic send-up of Igor, basically. And it's so perfect. He's so good in this. I'm, the only thing that I'm sad about is I wish they actually got Boris Karloff to play the character who looks and acts like Boris Karloff. Well, the thing about yeah. it is that in you the know play, they wanted he, to. in the play, he was Boris Karloff. That actually was oh, Boris Karloff in the play that okay. it was adapted from. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the reason why he wasn't uh, in the movie is because he didn't get a leave of absence from the play to make the uh, movie, which that's a fucking shame, man. If that... That would have really put it over the top. Just to have Boris Karloff as Cary Grant's brother. That would have been fucking phenomenal, dude. Like, oh, man. God, we need more creepy guys in Hollywood movies, too. Like, you know who just brightens up any single fucking movie he's in, no matter what, how shitty the fucking movie is? Vincent Price. Just yes. Vincent Price. Like, there's a bunch of Roger Corman movies. Some of them are great, like Pit in the Pendulum or Mask of Red Death. Some of them, like uh, House of Usher, are kind of boring, but all of them are enlivened by just 
fucking Vincent Price just going The like, most mischievous British man of all time. The reason why people like Thriller by Michael Jackson, there's two reasons. Two reasons. It's the Quincy Jones production, and it's because Vincent Price. If Vincent Price sang Thriller, it would be a better song than if Michael Jackson sang the whole thing. <laughs> man, I hope so. You know, there have been a lot of things that people... That we've been like, oh man, someone's someone's gonna get mad at us over this. And they never do. I hope someone gets I'm not even saying you're wrong, but I think it would be very funny for someone to yell at you on Twitter. Just about that. Yeah, for being a for being like a like being uh anti Michael Jackson or whatever. That yeah. Dude, MJ Truthers MJ Truthers are some of my favorite fucking people in the world. Like They're they, great. They are the level of just pitched hysteria and insanity there is unreal. Like, it's like how teenage girls tweet about, like, the One Direction guys, but <laughs> instead they're just, like... The 30-year-old men. Yeah, they're, like, 30 to 45-year-old men and women, and they're all just going, like, Day of Innocence, all charges dropped, or whatever. <laughs> just posting about him like he's fucking Rick Ross. We'll go back to the movie in a second. We've talked about this bit a lot on the podcast, Spencer, but I don't think I've ever heard you like say definitively how you feel about Michael Jackson as a musician. Um, um, he is good. Um, there are a lot of great songs. Rock With You is one of the best songs ever. Um, there's a lot of great tracks, you know. He, he's A lot of great music videos. Great music videos. He's more of a singles artist than an album artist. Like, I don't know why people pretend like, oh, Thriller is this unimpeachable masterpiece. Like, Half the songs on that album just suck, straight up. Like, half of them are really, really bad. And that's not a big album. That's like a seven-song album. But anyways, um, no. It's because uh, they're 80s, guys. He, uh, he's got a lot of great songs. Like, you, you really, it's hard to deny, especially if you include the Jackson 5 stuff. The Jackson 5 stuff, I think, is even better than, uh, like, his big 80s take. stuff. Yeah, no, like, I Want You Back. That's an all-time classic. The Love You Save. One of my all-time favorites. Ah, it's so good. But um, uh, he's guilty as hell. He's one of the most guilty guys to ever fucking do it in the history of Hollywood. And, which is Or music, which is yeah. even more guilty. And he is uh, also, like, pretty wildly overpraised. Like, uh, you know, there was another pop musician in the 80s who was a very weird, tiny man who had a lot of sexual hang-ups, but made, like actually really good albums uh named prince you might have heard of him who's a lot better who <laughs> was black prince. for his whole life yeah uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no <laughs> was even shorter it's prince being like actually five foot three just fucks me up to this day dude like this guy was walking around looking like a munch and get munchkin getting the most pussy out of anyone in history <laughs> wasn't it also true that uh, Pussy Control is actually supposed to be about a woman named Pussy Control. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, this is something we've discussed. Prince has a song called Pussy Control. And this was in the 90s back when Prince was trying to, like, regain his street cred and make, like, rap music, basically. And Pussy Control, like, when you hear that title, you know, what do you think it's about, Andy? <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to go back for a second. It's very funny to think that, like, wait, Prince wanted to have street cred? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this like very tiny man who dresses like an Oompa Loompa is like, yeah, I need, I need to keep it. Especially gangsta. in the early nineties, like 
in the early 90s the day of like g-funk just like rap music about like killing cops and woman and cold blood he's like yeah this is my time to shine i'm an og um but yeah pussy control you hear that song and you think like okay this is about how good he is at controlling pussy this is about mm-hmm. sex the song is about uh, a woman named Con- Pussy Control who is a girl boss. And then at the end of the song, and he says, Hey, ladies, you are all Pussy Control. Yeah. So at first you're thinking, oh, this is about Prince being Pussy Control. Then you listen a bit. It creeps up on you. Wait a second. There's a woman named Pussy Control for some reason. Like a James Bond villain. There's like a, a, yeah, you're, you're just talking about somebody named Octopussy. James, then, Pussy Control sounds like a James Bond villain that's based off of Andrea Dworkin. But then, at, <laughs> at the very end, at the very end, you're brought to a sort of enlightenment. Every woman who walks the earth, who has ever or will ever walk the earth, is in fact Pussy Control. Yeah. But you see, James, that thing... He's right there, out there, is the most dangerous kind of she-devil. Yeah. She's an enlightened uh, villain. What do they call her? Pussy control. <laughs> Pussy uh. control! <laughs> I still haven't gotten my fucking voice back. I'm still fucking sick as shit. So, going back to the movie for a second, you know what's my favorite thing about this movie? What? How it all ends in the biggest, dumbest fight possible. Yeah. <laughs> guys pulling each other's ears and shit. Yeah, guys just like, just literally ends with like a pie fight, basically. But it's made better by the fact that Cary Grant is, uh, Cary Grant is just sitting there the entire time, just smoking a cigarette, looking really frazzled and just, uh, you know, just like, he's like, yeah, I hate this. This shit sucks. This is my life now. Hell of a fucking day. Yeah. Hell of a fucking day. If you ever want to understand the appeal of smoking cigarettes, like, that's what you feel like whenever you're smoking cigarettes. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is just what happens. Yeah. Uh, let, let, let me just reach for this phone here. Oh, thank you for passing me the phone, man, who just got his eye poked out. Yeah, no. It, uh... <laughs> It's no, it's a, it's a really great fucking fight. I mean, the just the cascade generally, and I also have to say, I don't know if I like this aspect of the movie, but it is really bold that they basically, I mean, for one, I assumed that like the central screwball interplay was going to be between Cary Grant and his fiance. That bitch is barely in the movie. Yeah, she, she just she like is, she only exists she to show up, and out. then Cary Grant goes like, "Don't worry, your pretty little woman head about it. Get out of here quickly." There's a, and she's just like, "But I almost got murdered." And then he's like, "Nah, nah, you're talking crazy talk. Get out of here." Why, why, why aren't you coming out to the cab? The cab's been waiting for five nah, minutes. Nah, nah, hush yourself, hush ah, yourself, be out of there. Don't throw me out of the house. Don't throw me out of. The- I will throw you out if I want to because I'm a man and you're a woman, just like that. <laughs> they, they the- also. I, I like that they, they set you up with the fake opening with him, like, get, you know, mulling over getting married as, like, the, the, the red herring setup intro. It's very, it's very clever. Yeah, no. You, you think this is going to be, this ain't your grandma screwball comedy. It's so funny that it's kind of like that. Like, yeah, no, like, so comparing this to um, His Girl Friday for a second, that is a very tight movie where most of the characters are just in, like, one to two rooms talking and, and, and going over a very simple idea just repeated this movie is just maybe is probably one of the most complex 
layered screwball comedies of all time. None of it's particularly like smart or well thought out, but it's just there's so much stuff here. Yeah, it's so compressed into a nice little two hours. Well, Hysteral Friday, it's interesting. It gives you kind of the wrong impression of like Cary Grant, basically. Like Cary Grant, if you watch that first and you watch (laughs) that, and maybe like North by Northwest, you get the you get the idea of him that like his whole appeal is that he's just this like swaggy confident guy basically and that's part of it but the Cary Grant I really like the Cary Grant that I think works perfectly is the Cary Grant who is constantly suffering the Cary Grant who has to fight dealing with other people's bullshit yeah who has to fight to be alive since no one in Hollywood history flung himself into just this constant mania quite like Cary Grant did no one really committed himself just to being the butt of the joke, despite having movie star glam quite like he did. And that's what makes him the fucking best of all time. Yeah, it's like uh, with bringing up Baby, for instance. That's a much better Cary Cary Grant character movie because he's he's just trying to be a scientist and get his marriage and everything. And here's this woman who just shows up and destroys his entire life within the course of a couple of hours. I feel so bad for him in that movie. That's fucking dope. Yeah, no. I will say, whenever someone watches that movie and their their takeaway is like, yeah, I didn't like it because Catherine Hepburn's character was annoying, I want to throw a rock at their head. I'm like, you hate you hate joy and beauty. You hate mirth. No, no, that's not what is that is that wasn't that she's annoying. It's that oh man, this this poor sap. Yeah, he's so in over his head. <laughs> Andy, that, I mean, I I feel you there because that's ha- what you have to deal with all the time, basically. <laughs> that is your entire life, and it has been your entire life ever since you got a Twitter account. Has just been, yeah, kind of. Has just been, like, before it was me and Ty, there were other people just, like, constantly, like, just dragging you along, making your life just hell. And now you get paid to just get verbally abused. I do get paid for it. That yeah. is nice. You get paid to get a verbally abused by these two fucking freaks just, you know, having fights all the time and then just, like, dragging you through the mud. Arsenic and Old Lace. Also, wanted to say... This movie is refreshingly free of 1940s uh, racism or sexism, most of it. But <coughs> there was a uh, there was one moment where I was like, "Oh my god!" Where they have like the the early in the marriage ceremony, like they have the little music playing, and then he looks and there's like a Chinese guy there, and then they like <laughs> make the music like 35 percent more Oriental by volume. During- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's. Yeah. That's the most, like, because that's, that's the thing, is, like, or, like East Asian racism is the, the most astounding racism, because you have, like, musical cues for it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have that when you're making fun of black people. Yeah, no. I, I like to imagine in my head, like, what if they did that in the Eternals soundtrack or something? Like, you know... <laughs> Like how, you know how like the Hogwarts legacy is super anti-Semitic. They like what if the Marvel movies were all like super anti-Asian and like you know the Legend of the Seven Rings movie with Tony Lung in it. Like all the music just sounds like turning Japanese. <laughs> it's just every every like the end of it. Every scene is opened and closed with dun 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 dun. They just have like a gong hit every time a character walks into a fucking room. <laughs> Just over and over and over again. <laughs> oh god, dude. No, it's it's so fucked how racist they were to Asians in the 1940s. Like it, it it's not it's like it, it, historically it isn't as like severe as like, you know, chattel slavery was in the United States, but like in that four year window, that is like the most like 
they like concentrated racism and just to this, this pure like diamond form that they have never done ever again and never will. Yeah. yeah. Like even Dr. Seuss got in on it. Yeah. Even Dr. Seuss was just like, all right, well, you know, they're, they're cooking. I need to throw my hat in the ring here. Yeah. It's interesting just going back to like cartoons and films of the period. And they're saying we need to resist any attempts to stir up race hatred. And then like five seconds later, there's just like a guy with like squinty eyes and huge buck teeth walking into the room. Yeah. It's also so funny, like how like not accurate it is. Like, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like other stereotypes are accurate, but like, you see Mickey Rooney and like fucking Breakfast at Tiffany's or whatever, and I'm just like, have you seen a single Asian person before? Like, like one? That's the, the that's not even <laughs> that's not even that's not even like that's like if you yeah, said no, if you the, like the, saw the a giraffe. Not, it's like if you saw a the, giraffe yeah. and you're like. Damn, black people look like this. Yeah, the play isn't goofball with big teeth and dudes clumsy. It's wound up asshole with a heart of ice. Just fucking yeah. That's that's the bit you do if you're going for Asian racism. Like, come on, it's yeah, not that no. Hard. I uh, God, Mickey Rooney, uh, one of my blood enemies. Like how one of my all time. Like how, how many blocks? I hope he's in hell. Is Chinatown from most movie sets in the forties? Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um. So continuing with Arsenic and Old Lace, uh, you know, the plot yes, mostly yes. just revolves around uh, these, you know, Cary Grant, uh, he's going to his house, visiting his uh, auntie's house, basically, and they just kind of casually drop the bomb that they poison old men for the fun of it and just bury them in the, uh, bury them in the basement. I gotta say, I was expecting there to be some type of, conf- like, plot twist that, like, redeems them or some type of, like double back or even just them to like get caught and be like st- them have them be stopped yeah. no no they just like just... willingly check themselves into a sanitarium they never have to like and they do it just so they can be around their like other insane relative like they just they never once feel even the slightest bit of guilt for their crimes basically uh, the people at the fucking Hayes code office must have been like shooting themselves in the head watching this it's kind of a miracle it got even fucking made. Like, yeah, no, like I guess you know, the, one of the big things with the Hayes Code is like, you know, all uh, evildoers must be brought to justice and must uh, must learn a lesson or whatever, basically, and uh, have to suffer consequences for their actions. You know, you see that even in like great movies like Night of the Hunter or whatever. Like they have like a, like a two minute section where they like basically tell Robert Mitchum's character like, "You're an evil priest." That movie's an all-time classic, but, you know, it just, it shows how infected movies were with that stuff. But, like, here it's just like, now they're old woman, just let them cook. Just let them, just let them retire. They, they got their bag. Don't worry about it. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, they casually kind of drop the bomb, and I really can't emphasize enough how fucking funny the scene is when they just tell Cary Grant this, like, they just tell him this, like... Yeah, that's same, your problem now, too. Yeah, in the same tone of voice, it's like, Oh, uh, we've decided that we bought a new car. Like, we, we, they just tell it in, like, this very matter-of-fact, like, oh, no, nothing big, you know, we, uh, we just, we just changed our stock portfolio, basically. And, uh, then eventually, uh, so there, Cary Grant's already got this on his mind, and he's trying to figure out, like, what to do and how to, like, since he wants to help out his relatives, he doesn't want them to go to jail. But then his evil brother comes back to town. His evil brother that looks like Boris Karloff, and uh, then there's all because of because of facial surgery. Yeah, no, 
And there's also a bunch of um uh like cops in the movie basically that uh that just like have no purpose whatsoever but to just be like dumb bad at their jobs bad at their jobs and not know like what the fuck is going on uh one of the one of the best gags in the movie i think is when Cary grant is being tied up by peter lore and boris karloff and um not boris karloff technically and they're like uh they're you know he's bound and gagged and uh then the cop walks in and he's like, what's, what on earth is the meaning of this? And then they just said, oh, we were just reenacting something from a play. And he was like, oh, that's wonderful, wonderful. And then he's about to untie Cary Grant's character. He's like, wait a tick. I need to tell you my play. And then he just sits Cary Grant. <laughs> just let him sit. He's still got the gag in his mouth. Yeah, yeah and one of the best things about that scene for me is just the fact that, like, they tie him up by, like, getting him to describe, um by getting him to describe a play in which, you know, someone like him gets tied up, and then the cop is about to be knocked out, um, right as the cop is describing a play scene where he gets not someone like him is getting knocked out. Yeah, no, it's very, very meta, very lean on the fourth Wally. It's, you know, it's, it's very obvious in those ways that 1940s comedies can be, but they kind of just pull it off with sheer confidence. Like, it's, it's why the joke's about, like, uh, the Cary Grant one and fucking bring and um his girl Friday was like the last man who crossed me was Archie Leach, uh, <laughs> just the the like level of just complete obviousness. But just for some joke reason, a, just joke a minute, just keep rapid fucking firing of them. Yeah, no. Uh, and eventually, it's really difficult to describe what happens next. But basically, there's this whole cascade. There's like one dead body from the old ladies that they have to get rid of. But then there's another dead body from the evil brother. And the evil brother wants to kill, um, the evil brother wants to fucking kill, like, Cary Grant, too, out of, like, brother revenge, basically. And you have this, like, whole house of people who are, like, trying to cover, hide dead bodies and kill each other. And just, just, just running in circles, basically. It's, it's pretty impressive. It's a little, I, I, I this, this I feel like is probably, like, a movie that I will appreciate even more upon rewatch. Oh, it's just like, oh, so. that's there, and then, you know... And there's probably a lot of background jokes, too, that I just completely missed. No, yeah, um, it's it's one of those movies... I mean, <clears throat> His Girl Friday and Bringing a Baby both improved upon rewatches. Like, they're ones where it's like... This one... <clears throat> the One of the problems with these movies is, like, the sense of humor and the is just so fast and the plots are often really, really dense that it's just tough to keep up with everything. Like it's tough to appreciate everything properly um, on first viewing. Angie, you've seen this multiple times. Do you think that's true or? Uh, probably I'd say. Um, I don't think I actually, I'm not sure if I laughed more or less during this viewing actually, now that I think about it. How many times have you seen this? I'm curious. I think I've seen it twice. I, I saw a, I th I might have seen it like once as like a child, but didn't remember it very much. By the way, <clears throat> when I was at um Angie's uh, parents' house, um, Angie's grandmother just told me it was like uh, asked me if I liked Cary Grant, and I said yes, of course. And then she said something that was very funny to me that was like, I can't believe they took got that one singer Adam Levine to be the sexiest man of alive or whatever. The answer is clearly Cary Grant. <laughs> I mean, was she wrong? I mean, okay, for starters, well. Uh, yes, since they don't put dead people on those magazines, like the sexiest man of all time, they don't they don't they don't put dead guys on there, for example. 
Well, it does say of all time, not alive. Uh, most of them are sexiest man alive. I mean, fair, but if it says of all time, then you then you, you have to. Well, that's Spencer's problem. He, I mean, Cary Grant's a better pick than fucking like most of what they're going to have on those magazines or whatever. I don't think he's like the the hottest man of all time though. Like most charming, maybe, but. No, he's definitely got that kind of like 1940s guy face I don't find super attractive. But mm. um, no, in, in terms of, I, you know, I got to support a, a gay icon. <laughs> I got to support him. So, you know, you do. he's a cool guy. He's a fucking cool guy. Anyways, the, uh, the plot continues and it just like goes in circles. And eventually, I'm trying to think of what happens, like what happens in between just like they keep tying each other. How does the Teddy Roosevelt up? guy get introduced into the plot again? Oh, uh, he's just there. Like he's just yeah, he's just there. He's just like a guy, and he just seems like that kind of um, stock, like screwball character of like the like fat guy that just goes, "Well, well, I never." Basically, and then um, but then he throws a curveball by shouting "charge" when he runs up the stairs, and you slowly piece together that he thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. Also, also great throwaway line it's like we tried to get him to be someone else but then he just hid under the bed for a couple weeks and he wouldn't be anyone at all (laughs) great little throwaway detail i also love the detail of uh the sanitarium being like uh we've got too many teddy roosevelts here maybe if if he could be napoleon we could use a few more napoleons (laughs) around here (laughs) Mm. Anyhow, uh, but that's well, mo- I mean, personally, this I is what this movie needed, by the way. A guy doing a bad French accent. A bad French accent. If they had a Napoleon in this movie, that would be pretty sick. And if they had the Napoleon and the Teddy Roosevelt fight, that would also be really sick. Who's the shortest, like, old old guy in 40s Hollywood that you would get for that? Uh, who would I get in 40s Hollywood to be... To be a really short guy. To be a really short dude. I mean, that would be really funny. Okay, this wouldn't be correct but you know who would be really funny to get to be napoleon who? lee marvin because lee marvin's like six foot three and just, oh you just do a bunch of uh, the fancy camera work and set design well no you just you that's just, the joke like you just have him like say he's napoleon and then everyone's just like you're the tallest fucking guy in the room you're the uh, only person in history who's been more than six feet up to this point like what the fuck are you doing um other than that, I can't think of who else I would get to be like a uh, who would make for like a really like kind of cool short guy to be a Napoleon. Uh, oh, you know what? You know who was short as fuck and was really into French shit? Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Oh, yeah. That dude yeah, was sh- you could do that. Yeah, that dude was short as hell. He was great in comedies. Um, Imagine him dancing his way onto the end of the fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> no, that would be sick. Yeah. That would that would be fucking tight. I think that would work really well. But I still think Lee Marvin would be really funny as uh, Napoleon. Just this gigantic, hulking, freakishly intimidating guy. My name is Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming to take. I'm going to take Europe for France. I'm going to defeat Russia in the wintertime. But good heavens! How how could you be Napoleon? You're you're a giant. No, I'm not. I'm well, six three. Well, I've got to say, I am a giant of history. I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my God. 
Yeah, so eventually the plot like kind of culminates in just all the characters like fighting with each other and brawling and <laughs> and Kamal Carey Grant's just, just sad on the stairs. Oh yeah, you go do that. Yeah, it is a uh, it is not that much different than uh the fight scene at like the end of Blazing Saddles basically. Like it is it is basically like a couple of pastries away from being a pie fight. And it's all the better for it. Thank, thank you for selecting this movie, Angie. It was it was like a lot of this. This was a pretty fun watch. It wasn't necessarily the best thing I've ever had to watch in the podcast, but I, I enjoyed this. Yeah, no, this um, was great. I want to do more fucking Cary Grant movies. I want to do Monkey <clears throat> Business. I want to do um, maybe even like Only Angels Have Wings. Uh, North by Northwest would be fun. Like, let's do all the Cary Grant movies since we sure we could do that. We did we, get tie in on. Yeah, we'll get we'll bully tie into watching fucking Cary Grant movies. Um, because I mean we t- did so much Family Guy and Family Guy like we've said this so many times, but Family Guy is like so indebted to that like 1940s style. I mean, basically the Brian Griffin's character is like he's supposed to be Cary Grant basically in the early seasons. So. I think we owe ourselves, like, a debt to give ourselves some comedy history here and watch a trillion Cary Grant movies. I would just like to say, in my official capacity, uh, you're very welcome for um, my recommendation of this film. In my official capacity as Joan of Arc, um, I would like to say that I will retake France for the Catholic Church and smite the heathens wherever they may go. Spencer, I think when she stops recording... Uh, for this episode, she won't be able to stop doing this accent for the rest of the Yeah, movie. yeah, no, I've, I've got the drill already. I've got the drill. <laughs> just get in there. Just lobotomize it. I've been putting yeah, it off. I've had a vision broken. from God. <laughs> I put it off for too long. It's about time that I, I just fucking just drill, drill it in her head and just fucking just get it over with. Darling, please assure me that you aren't a heathen that I must have to smite. Uh, yeah, no, dear, I'm not, a he- I'm not a heathen. You don't have to smite me. Oh, understood. Okay. Are you British, though? No. Thank goodness. I've been starting to wonder if you were a spy for the perfidious English. So, um, one thing I wanted to do, since we've got a little bit of time left, uh, that I I thought would be a fun idea. Let's come up with, just, you know, we don't have the time to come up with the whole plot, but let's come up with at least, like, the logline of the most sexist screwball comedy of all time. (laughs) <laughs> Bring this up for a second, Spencer. You know what? You you immediately came to my head when you brought up the idea of most sexist screwball comedy. What came to your head? The the first thing that I love is isn't that just Temple of Doom? Yeah, <laughs> and the most ra- that I mean that movie's so racist. Like the sexism just kind of gets like I don't know if we can call it the most racist screwball comedy of all time. That just, I mean, yeah, know. but it's the fact that it was made in the eighties and it's still yes. like, in the conversation, like. That's yeah. That's kind of impressive. It's like how if that movie was made a year later. It would have been fucking thrown out. Yeah, I it's the f- it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like it's like how you think of like oh, if all these like old athletes like had access to the fucking steroids we have now, like they they would be like just god level. Like you think the same thing you think about it. Like. It's like, if Temple of Doom had access to 1930s racism, if Temple of Doom was made in the 1930s, like, it would be no contest. Most racist movie ever made. Uh, do, do you know why part of the reason why that movie was the way that it was? Uh, is because both Lucas and Spielberg were going through a very bad breakup at the time. I think Lucas was a breakup, I think Spielberg was a divorce. Uh, uh, I think Spielberg... 
I, that's funny because Spielberg was also getting divorced during Hook, also. So he's had mm. he has so many divorced guys. Might have been the other way around, but yeah. No. Yeah, no, he's he's had so many fucking just divorced asshole movies. I mean, his newest one, The Fablemans, is about his parents being divorced, but it's still very much a it's a child of divorce movie, which is like in a similar realm. I also want to say The Fablemans has one of the most perverse fucking scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It's mostly this this very, like, you know, it's a coming-of-age movie. And it has a scene where, like, he discovers his parents' affair from footage he shot of their camping trip and reconstructs it. And it, like, the fact that this is supposed to be Steven Spielberg is... It's That's some insane. rear window shit. It's, no, it's, like, it's more freakish than rear window. It's, like, some, like... It's, like, 80s Brian De Palma level, just depraved. But with like incestuous shit added into it, it's obscene. It's one of the best things Spielberg has ever done. I highly recommend The Fablemans, by the way. Shame that movie fucking bombed. Yeah, oh, it bombed so hard. It's so funny now. He cannot make a movie that makes money to save his life. He cannot. Well, unfortunately, he did recently, but um... yeah. No, he he he. Uh, what Ready Player One? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he made good money off Ready Player One, and then West Side Story, though, that tanked. You have no idea how badly that fucking tank, dude. Like, however bad you think it is, like, look it up. It's so much worse. Yeah, because Fablemans, I can't imagine being super crazy expensive. West Side Story is absolutely super crazy expensive. Yeah, no, like, West Side Story was like a... you can't make a 60s musical throw-up and not be... A 60s musical throw-up? <laughs> no, my man made some up, 60 mu- 60s musical puke. Yeah, yeah Fablemans sp- was a 40 million budget, 30 million uh, box office... And uh, let me look at West Side Story because it yeah, is there's no rough. way it, yeah, it's, it's guaranteed to be so much worse. Yeah, it, I uh, do a hundred million budget, seventy six million box office. Well, Dear eh. God, he he rented that's out actually entirety. similar ratio. That's both. They're both about yeah, three yeah. They're quarters. both like four to three, but that's like that's more money still. That's more money yeah. lost. He straight up rented out the entirety of New York to produce that film. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be the first time a guy named Berg rented out the entirety of New York. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do we think the plot is for the most sexist screwball movie of all time? You've got to have, like, a lobotomy in there somewhere. Like, yeah, obviously. I think, um, like, it, I like mean, the entire movie... I mean, you set mo- it in an, in an institution, I think. Yeah, set it in an institution. Every woman there is lobotomized, but one woman gets unlobotomized somehow. And starts being like a strong-willed woman, and it causes mayhem. The main and character chaos. is one of the doctors. Yeah, it causes mayhem and chaos, and she leads an uprising, basically. Well, who's the who's the male? Who's the man? Who's the man? Um, I think the doctor. The doctor. You know what? You know what? You know what's funny, Spencer? Yeah. This is kind of half of the plot of the movie Sucker Punch. What the fuck? Like what happens in that movie, man? Like, I, I've seen so many production stills from it and, like, discussions of it, and it's like, it doesn't sound like a real film. Like, it, it's... It's not. It's not. I, like, I, I, I genuinely can't comprehend, like... So there's, like, women that wear, like, uh, fucking Soul so Calibur the, the shoes. So the answer is... Those so all of the the crazy shit fantasy stuff those are all dream sequences. Oh God! Okay, that movie has like fifteen dream sequences. And so in the these woman's one... dreams, they're dressed like Ivy from Soul Calibur. Well, one woman, uh, and she gets a lobotomy so that another woman can live her life as a, as a free woman. Um, 
God, dude. This starts to sound like a film adaptation of like one of those like goth albums from like the early 2000s where it's all just like really bad feminism done in like really bad Victorian cosplay. Yeah, it, it sounds Su- like Sucker Punch. It sounds like an Evanescence album made into a movie. Not uh, even Evanescence, because I'm thinking about, you know, like, the jaunty cabaret type stuff. Like, like third-rate Amanda Palmer. Oh, yeah, like, guys, the like, that couple from Wife Swap that were just, like, you know, the you've ever seen that clip of the guy on Wife Swap of, like, the guy walking around in a cape, and he's like, I'm a very distinguished individual. I, <laughs> I walk around with care. I like to consider myself, you know, articulate, and I carry Sucker myself punch. with dignity. Is a movie that I am glad that I have seen once because it is deeply fascinating. I don't know if it's good, man, but it's interesting. You, I feel like you would hate that movie. Like, yeah. utterly despise it. I need to do a. I need to do a get cynical episode. I mean, it, we'd be breaking the format since there's no way to tie it to anything. But I would love to talk, yell about <laughs> Sucker Punch with Esther since she really likes. Well, that you movie. could do a get cynical on the Snyder Cut. You could maybe justify that because yeah. it was. I don't like watch it, well, the it was, Snyder it was, Cut, man. It was created because of internet. Power. I don't want to watch yeah. the Snyder Cut, dude. Like, I, mean, I like the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut, I will defend. It's probably fine. It's just four hours long. It I don't is. have time to watch good four-hour movies. Like, I watched A Brighter Summer Day uh, last summer. Amazing movie. Changed my life. Am I ever going to watch it again? I don't fucking know. <laughs> so you think I'm going to yeah, expend no. all that fucking psychic energy on goddamn soccer punk? Or on... Not on... on fucking... Justice League? No. No. I value my time, okay? I'm a busy man. I got shit to do. I'm not watching fucking the Snyder Cut of Justice Darling, League. Darling, calm, da- calm down. You're flying into Maybe, your races. Yeah, the only way I think you could justify it based on how busy you are already would be like as a, as a patron goal. As like, a, if we get this much money, we'll do it. If you make me enough money that I can take a few weeks off of work without... I don't even need to make this my job. Just like, I need enough that I can like... Take a few weeks off work without doing it. I will watch the Snyder Cut for you people, okay? If that's what you want. I don't even Spencer's know if that's what you want. vacation fun. I, I, I yeah, we don't even know if they want it. But, yeah. You know. Yeah, by the way, thank you all for basically paying for my fucking uh, sick leave from my job. I This is the sickest I have ever been in my entire life. Like, if my voice sounds different on recent Get Cynical episodes, and it's because, like... I straight up don't remember the last week of my life. Like I, I was just like waking up at noon. I would take a bunch of cough medicine. I would play video games for eight hours. And then I'd take a bunch of cough medicine and go to bed. And that was just my entire life. I'd go to bed at like midnight. <laughs> God. Yeah. Being sick is fun. Yeah. I mean, the, the only good thing about being sick really is that you can basically sleep for 16 hours a day guilt free. Like, yeah. You can just, like, wake up at, like, 2 in the afternoon, and I'm like, I'm still tired. I want to go back to sleep. And you can do that if you're sick. And no one can judge you for it. That's, like, the only thing. So I think it's good to get sick, like, once a year. But any more than that, I'm like, oh, God, this fucking sucks. I hate this. Why are you staring at me? Because, darling, you keep, you keep, you seem like you're, you seem like you're just two seconds from flying off the handle yet again. You're an adult man, and we, we can't handle that. Quiet, woman. But, but darling, you're bothering what, me. But darling, what do you think we're doing? What do you think? I, I'm pretty sure you ha- we have to do something or other. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we got three minutes left. Um, what the fuck I do mean, you want to do? What the fuck now. do you want to do? Well, darling, I want to kiss you more than anything, but you keep being distracted by all this hus- hullabaloo. I could never kiss a woman. Get out! 
Get out. No, no, no. Why are you sending me away? Get I'm, out, you. I'm your, I'm your beloved. I'm your beloved, aren't I? No, you're not. The only thing that's beloved is my damn job. Now get out of here. <laughs> I have a my podcast dear, to do. A, it's always the job. It's always the podcast. It's always the sickness and the illness and what have we. And you, you never make enough time for me in these days. That's because a woman's time is worth less than a man's. I'm not... But darling, don't you understand how much time it cook takes to, to cook all those pot roasts you've been eating all and these days? And I get days? you pills to cook those pot roasts, don't I? I mean, you get me those pills, but I never even wanted the pills in the first place, darling. All right. This has been Those Good Old Fashioned Values. Uh, this was a very wild episode about a screwball comedy with my wife, Angie, and our poor suffering boy, Andy. Um, if you want to hear more Cary Grant episodes, uh, go to our Patreon. We did one on His Girl Friday with Esther. And if you want to hear even more, bother us. We can, uh, do plenty more. I think that's, uh, he's a fun guy to talk about. So. Oh, darling, calm down and kiss me while we're All right, you. whatever. <mwah> All right. This has been those good old special values. Time. Check out Andy's streams. Check out my streams. Bye-bye. Bye. You won't even plug my thing. Oh, and, uh, check out Angie's music. I've been working so yeah. hard, and yet you always, you always... Think Quiet, that... woman!